Good evening, wherever you are. Thank you very much for joining us on Just Like the Boobies, where we are talking about a bona fide classic, and that would be Rocky, selected by my co-host, the resident Southpaw, Mr. John Hoey. John, tell everybody how you're doing. The ultimate underdog story. Um, I'm doing all right, buddy. I am, as this podcast hits the podcast feeds, I'll be um, working my last day at my current job. I'm starting another one on Monday. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Underdog stories, uh, you know, taking a shot, trying to, you know, improve my status in life. So very (laughs) relatable rewatch for me on watching Rocky. Um, obviously Stallone's had a way cooler life than me, but, uh, a very cool movie, man. And, you know, it's, it's a classic it's, you know, we're not, you know, looking deep on a deep cut movie list here. This is a, a movie everyone's seen. It's a movie probably on most people's DVD shelves, Oscar winner, box office, darling career launching, uh, Sylvester Stallone. But at the same time, it still has that like humble, feeling because of how it was made which is juxtaposed against the story itself of this nobody who turns into somebody based on a chance uh and i just it's just i love underdog stories you know that you know i'm a sucker for these types of stories and also it has the love story which uh carries it through to uh its finale um now i'm gonna throw it back at you but i'm just gonna toss this idea i had when i was re-watching this movie the rocky franchise with maybe the exceptions of four into five, like every one of the movies could have ended the franchise like nicely. I feel like one could have just been one and done Two, He wins the belt. Adrian, I love you. End the whole story three. It ends with him being the sparring partner for Apollo again. When in the first movie, they make a reference to I'll be your sparring partner. That's why I'm here. Right? So I, I just feel like they could have Stallone kept figuring and this might be it but it was never it. <laughs> I didn't, I never thought about it like that. I thought about the end of Rocky three. Like um, I've seen it in a few other sports TV shows or movies where it's really about competing and it's about seeing who's the best. There's no, there's no cameras. The there's no audience. There's no nothing, but I never thought about that interpretation of Rocky three, like going back to like a callback to the first one where he thought he was going to be, Apollo Creed's trading part, uh, sparring partner. I'm sorry. That's really interesting. But yeah, that's a good point. I guess any of these movies, it could have left off. And the the original ending of Rocky, you probably read about this, was actually a lot darker than this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, um, when you're, when you're, whenever you're researching and trying to like get your ducks in a row for talking about a movie, especially one as big as this, there's always like the, the kind of uh, like the stories that you don't know if they're real or if they've just been exaggerated over time. Because I was watching uh, uh, Stallone was actually doing an interview on Jimmy Fallon really recently that I spotted online, and of course they had to ask him about this movie because Carl Weathers had just passed away, like you mentioned on our previous episode, which was at least partially your inspiration for picking this, which is you know good call. But um, and it was just funny to listen to him tell the story because. He lived it, and he still got a bunch of details wrong. Like, he was talking about how when Carl Weathers did his audition to be Apollo Creed, he was like, you know, he was a linebacker for the Raiders, and he came in, and he was in a bad mood. It's like, I don't know if he meant that he was actively playing for the Raiders, because he definitely wasn't when this movie was shooting. 
So even even the people involved sometimes they just and plus you know keep in mind Sylvester Stallone's in his late seventies you know still sharp and just you know juiced to the tits like looking fantastic, but <laughs> he uh, but like that's a that's like almost fifty years ago that's a that's a long way back to try to get all the fine details right and you know he was probably pretty broken up about Carl Weathers being dead because he was I think I think Sylvester Stallone is older than him. Uh, maybe by a year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not 100 yeah. percent on that, but yeah, I think Carl Weathers was 76, a newly turned 76, like a few weeks before he passed, and Stallone's like 77, right? I think so. That sounds about right. But in, either way, same, you know, they're in the same ballpark age-wise. Um, and that was another thing, you know, I don't want to go on. There, there's a lot to talk about with Rocky, so this isn't going to be one of those podcasts where we feel like we need to fill time, which we never do. We just cut the podcast short, mm-hmm. but. We always feel like these types of movies deserve the time, but we've talked about this with older movies. It is so bizarre how fucking old people look in the seventies. Like, uh, who, uh, I mean, just even Burt Young, uh, he was like 33 or 34 oh and he looks like, God. you know, he looks like he's 50. He looks you know? just as old as he did when he played Bobby Bacala's dad on the Sopranos, like 20 years Exactly. Later. Exactly. Yeah. And then you have Joe Spinell, uh, who people also know from Godfather fame. I think he was like 40 playing uh, Gazzo. And he, you know, he looks like he could be easily in his late 50s. It's just, I don't know if it was the pollution. Everybody smoked inside, but people were fucking leathery back then, man. It is a trip to hear some of these ages. And Burgess Meredith was actually only 27 when he filmed Rocky. So. Fucking incredible. Oh, just set up like a pro, like just going for the low hanging fruit. <laughs> when you're old enough to play Jack Lemon's dad in a movie. <laughs> That's a movie I, I if it's not on our list, I, I didn't watch that all that long ago, Grumpy Old Men. I think I watched it around Thanksgiving because it is sort of like a Thanksgiving movie. Uh funny movie. Yeah, you're, you're well you're telegraphing your next pick worse than uh Rocky telegraphs is right sometimes. L O L. I don't know. Shit. Uh maybe I'll just do Cloud Atlas instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be doing that one by yourself. Let me as I do other things. Yeah. Uh let me throw it back at you. Uh Rocky, obviously you've seen it before, so this isn't one of those questions, but how long had it been since you saw it? How'd the rewatch go? Have you been a Rocky fan? Do you like some, hate others? Give me the, your whole paint the picture of uh Italian American Mike Mateo's fandom of Rocky. <laughs> well, the funny thing, I, I I don't know, you've probably heard me say this. I really have no affinity for the city of Philadelphia. I was there one oh, time. Yeah. I'm in real no hurry to go back ever for any reason. Um, but the Rocky movies, I had not seen the original in quite some time. And when I was rewatching it this time, it, it, it kind of surprised me how little of the movie was actually about boxing. Because one of my... It sounds like a criticism, but I actually kind of enjoy it. The later Rocky movies become... Like, Rocky Four is almost half of it. It seems like half of it is a montage from other movies. Like, they show clips from the old fights. They show clips from the old trading sequences. Things short like that. Short movie, too. What's that? Very short movie. Yeah, this was just under two hours. Rocky Four. No, but Rocky think. Four, I'm saying. Yeah, Rocky yeah, Four was, like, like, under 90, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, like, a it was like a uh, late 90s comedy, almost, in terms of, like, length. Yeah, it was probably shorter than Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, God. 
But you ever see that SNL skit, by the way? Not to go on a tangent. No, I didn't. I missed that one. Where <laughs> Norm McDonald's in like a car wreck and Sylvester Stallone is like there as a good Samaritan to help him. And he keeps like faking having his last words and Norm McDonald keeps naming off horrible movies that Stallone <laughs> has done. So then by the end of the skit, he's like, no, man, no, stop, stop. Or my mom will shoot. <laughs> and we both saw that one in the theater, did we not? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Still Getty. Yeah. No, like when I was watching it this time, I was like, man, they sent, th- I mean, this is a lot of character study and setup and listening to Sylvester Stallone ramble, like, which is, I guess, kind of a hallmark of the character. And, 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 and as many people know, famously that he rejected any overture of like they like people uh, the producers really enjoyed the script he actually pitched this at a failed audition which is pretty heads up on his part but the so the producers of this movie Erwin Winkler and uh, I think Robert Chardoff or John Chardoff I can't remember his name or his first name anyway so forgive me for that but he was he was auditioning for another movie and then he talked about he was a writer and then he mentioned the script and Kind of, we can get more into that stuff later, but he he claimed that he wrote it in three and a half days after he watched the Ali Wepner fight, which was actually in Richfield Coliseum, which is like a twenty minute drive. From, well, the old Richfield Coliseum, which is pretty close to where I currently live, uh, there used to be a lot of famous sporting events there. There was a Survivor Series there one year. I remember I went to. No. What year? Oh, it was like I think it was eighty eight or eighty nine. I was young. Really? Yeah. Holy cow! Me, was that all? Was the, all the one with me, the, my my the, brothers, and my dad? We all went. We all went to Survivor Series at Richfield. I barely remember it. One of the things I remember was there was a live cage match there. Oh yeah. wow, that's really cool. That's that's old school. That's a, that's a nice bragging right right there. Yeah, like I said, I barely. Re- I I think uh, you could actually smell like I think that was what I like. I don't know what cocaine smells like, but I think if I ever do, it's gonna like it'll trigger me seeing the Ultimate Warrior live in person. Because it was probably just <laughs> wafting off his visage. But this isn't some half-assed professional wrestling podcast. We're supposed no. to be talking about Rocky and how it was inspired by a similar story with Chuck Wepner being this huge underdog against Ali, who was clearly a huge inspiration for the Apollo Creed character. He actually ended up suing and getting settled. He got like an out-of-court settlement for his quote-unquote inspiration to the film. And... uh so, like, when I was watching this one, I just, I was like, man, there's just so much going on outside of the boxing. And then, like, more, when it becomes a lot more streamlined in the later installments. Because I think probably by, this might be sacrilege to say, because I've been a fan of the Rocky movies for a long time. But I, I definitely think three or four is probably my favorite. Ooh. And I don't, I don't know if that's, like, a rough take or not. Not a hot take, because I'm not sure. I like I I believe what I'm saying, but um, mm-hmm. like the original is just it's a little bit. It's, it's a great movie, but it's like for so I just have more of a kind of attachment to the third and fourth ones because I watched those a lot more when I was younger. Yeah, and three and four really introduce sort of the wildness of the '80s into the Rocky franchise. <laughs> yeah. the, the the first the first two have more of this independent. Uh, narrative based love story drama feel like one and two pair together like almost like it's the same movie like when i was done watching one i was like picturing oh he's now he's going to the hospital and apollo's gonna come into the room he's gonna ask him if he gave him his all and like it really like 
I know it wasn't on purpose because he didn't know if Rocky was going to be a success or not, but it really did flow like really well. And then you get to three and the landscape changes a bit. Stallone's like thinner, more shredded. You know, he has a skinnier face. Uh, Talia Shire's more done up. You got Mr. T is another variable. Like the franchise took a step. I don't know where it took. If uh, if you just want to say they stepped right into the 80s, that's fine. Three and four definitely have that feeling to it. And then five, abomination, don't like it. I felt like they tried to land it back to the original feeling with the original director and stuff, but it was just a total misfire. And that's why we got Rocky Balboa about 15 years later. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Because with Rocky Five, it was like they really overcorrected. It was like, it was way too depressing. Yeah. Like this movie was yeah. depressing in a certain sense, but but there was always kind of a, like an element underneath that things might be all right. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and of, I think this is one of those movies that's universally kind of praised and loved, except for... There was this one critic for the New York Times at the at the time who lambasted it for not seeming authentic, and he didn't think Stallone did a good job writing, and he thought the portrayal was like a like a caricature of a I I don't know, but it's like the even back then in '76 they had they had reviewers like that, like it, it's it's nothing new. It's just there's more people with more microphones and more platforms now. <laughs> it's like didn't. I forget you'll you'll probably know this better than me, but Skip Bayless, I think he said something about how Tim Tebow was infinitely better quarterback than like Andrew Luck or something like that. Yeah, he said some just, bullshit like that, but that's because he at the time he was so bought into ESPN's program, and that was their program. They just wanted to talk yeah. like that. Like they actually leaked that company memo that was like, "We can't talk enough Tebow." And how <laughs> is this related to Rocky? It's I don't know. It's sports, but we can we'll, we'll get back to it. We always do. Yeah, we always do. We always do. So, so you're more of a three and four guy. So, and for, like, I don't want to say this term, and I'm not trying to be, you know, doing a pun with this, but four is definitely over the top. It's. <laughs> I, I know you were gonna laugh at that. I, there's no other phrase I could have come up with, but it is. It just it, it enters into the absurd. You know, you have the mansion. You have the very 80s music. You have the robot. You have. You know, Apollo dying, which it just it descends this movie into total darkness. And then you have a quick, like, argument between Adrian and Rocky. And then he's in Russia. And then you're right. It's montage after montage, 80s music after 80s song. And then it's this whole Cold War bullshit. Uh, I still like it. I, I love it. But it's definitely, like, even though it's the same franchise, the same story... When you go for like, if you watch Rocky one and then go right to Rocky four, you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Maybe it's almost like eighties action leaked into Rocky a little bit. It's like, yeah, I think you're right. Cause yeah. it, I mean, that happened in Rocky three as well with Mickey. Yeah. Like they kind of yeah. made it like, so that like Clubber Lang was kind of responsible for his death, but not really. I, right. So they added like the whole vengeance angle, like a cop yeah. getting revenge on his dead girlfriend or his partner or something. Yeah. <laughs> like Punisher. Yeah, yeah, just like the Punisher. Indeed. Yeah. Um so Rocky 1 though, I mean, we'll I'm sure we'll keep dipping our toe back into the sequels cuz you almost naturally have to I really wanted to watch but... Rocky 2 after this, but I don't I didn't have it on my uh private film repository. So I Oh, okay. My... Yeah, I 
I I can definitely go for a Rocky two watch soon. I agree. Yeah, definitely. That's uh that's just what the doctor ordered. I feel now Rocky. I, mean, I guess we're just gonna bounce around here, but you know, in terms of like pop culture and stuff, I think Rocky like it's one of the misquoted movies where people think Yo Adrian is from the first Rocky when it's really the second Rocky when he wins the belt and he says Yo Adrian I did it. It's sort of like how people miss misnomer the, you know, no, I am your father line from Empire Strikes Back. They say, Luke, I am your father. Like people think they think Rocky. What, what's a line from Rocky? People say, yo, Adrian, I did it. It's like, nope, going to be a pretentious douche right now and tell you that it's actually in Rocky. Too. I don't know. I don't know why. Whenever I think of Rocky, one of the first lines that always pops into my head is women weaken legs. I always think <laughs> of that. And... <laughs> And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, like if you go missionary or any of the cowgirl variants or prone bone, <laughs> you're probably going to be okay. But if you treat your old lady to like some nice like reverse pile driver action, you might tweak a hammy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and a Adrian really gets horny in this movie. When yeah. You talk about that too. She, you know, we, we have the scene where he, he, conf he convinces her to go on the date because... Pauly throws the turkey out the out the door and they go ice skating and then Rocky's like has no game so he brings her back to his place and he's sweet and innocent enough but it's you know it's still the 70s like it, maybe a little bit before uh uh who's the serial killer who killed all the women Ted Bundy uh, Ted Bundy maybe before Ted Bundy's time but it's still a little sketchy and he's like why don't you come inside I got a lot of animals in here <laughs> and she's like uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> little little baby it's and then she tries to leave and he does a little baby it's cold outside game like does a little baby it's cold outside and did you hear the story about that scene the kissing scene i think so but go go with it i i guess the initial approach was not that she was going to be standoffish but the reason she was on camera so much is because she had the flu yeah and she didn't okay so she didn't want Stallone to get the flu so he just sort of says no we're going to do this and it became ingrained in the in in the story and Stallone claims it's his favorite scene from the entire franchise and it's like this very like awkward but like slow kiss but you do see them sort of starting to fall in love and it's almost sort of like though cuz Talia Shire you know if you've seen the first godfather you're like it's a pretty woman and it, it, they almost do the whole she's all that thing <laughs> 30 30 years before, 20 years before she's all that, they're like, let's put some glasses on her and a stupid wool hat and have her mumble and we'll pretend she's ugly. And then you got Polly saying, she's all busted up. She's all busted. She's dried up. She's dried up. And then she takes the glasses off and she becomes wetter than anything. And then halfway through the movie, he's trying to train and he's sitting on the couch and she's trying to like get on him. And he's like, no, no, no. Take it easy. <laughs> Adrian went on a journey in this movie. Yeah. But like one of the things when I was watching this was that first of all, I, I just kind of got reintroduced to how loathsome I think the Polly character is. I don't think it's Burt Young's fault. I think that's just the way the character's written. It's just, yeah, it's like he's Rocky's best friend, but he's like, he's just like an albatross around his neck and he's like really mean to everybody. And he's like, he's kind of like the worst. It's like they took all the stereotypical Philly traits and put them in like one guy. Ex <laughs> except he's not tough and our small demographic in philly is just vanishing but in real life <laughs> i guess burt young was a boxer he was a pretty accomplished boxer too he won 17 professional fights he was trained by the same guy who trained <laughs> mike tyson 
What? Yeah. Yeah, he fought Golden Gloves. Mm-hmm. He fought in the professional circuits. I, I, I was, wow. that blew me away because, you know, you, you see Burt Young and you don't think, like, is that a is that real? Or did you get hoodwinked? I'm I don't know. It was I it, it looked like it was legitimate, but it was on the Onion, right? Yeah, it was on it was on Babylon B. That's how I know. That's how I know Excellent. it was legit. <laughs> that's when you know it's good. Um, that that, that kind of blows my mind. Well, it, it blows my mind more that he was 33 when he filmed this. Man, it's yes. Like, I know women have a lot of stuff to deal with with their appearance, but hair loss for a man is just, that's just brutal, especially if you don't let it go. Because back then, it was like a lot of guys, like the only guy who really let it go was Telly Savalas and Yule Brenner. They were like the only high profile guys who went bald. Nice references. Everybody else who went bald, like tried to hang on in some way, shape or form. And it usually Mm -hmm. doesn't go well. Somebody who the studio initially wanted for the role, Burt Reynolds, famous rug wearer, as we've talked about on our Boogie Nights podcast. <laughs> uh, but Stallone stood tall and said, no, I'm going to uh, – I love his line because it really does feel like he was Rocky in a sense because he – and I know he's probably explained this in different ways. Like you say, like sometimes you forget your own stories. But the one I read was that he's, he reminded himself like, I know how to survive being poor. So I'm okay with turning down this $360,000 offer for my script. I want to be in this movie. And then eventually someone did believe in him and he got to star in it. And he got nominated for Best Actor. uh, And obviously the movie won for Best Picture and Best Director and Best Editing. So he took a chance. And it's like it, it, it upsets me, you know, especially now at our age, you know, early 40s, like, you know, have I taken my big chance? You know, you start thinking about that type of stuff and I'm too chicken shit to do it. Like if I, if I had balls, I would open a, a pizza shop and open it up near a local bar or something like that, but I don't have balls, but he had balls to, to turn down $360,000 because he believed in himself so much and it worked, but we don't hear about the 5 million other times people take a chance and it doesn't work. So this is, that's sort of like the tragic tale of taking a chance in like Hollywood, but for Stallone, it worked out and it just rides so perfectly with the story of this movie in Rocky. And I think that's why I love it so much because it is Stallone almost projecting his life and his experience into the character, which makes it like when I watch Rocky, I know it's Sylvester Stallone, but I see Rocky Balboa. And I'm not saying that to just say that it really like, I see this person and he's a real person. It's hard to explain otherwise. So you think the performance is authentic and you and you buy it. So you're not doing the whole Vincent Canby thing. No, no. I thought okay. I, I, I loved it. Even just the little subtle nuances of how he like looks around and you know, his facial expressions and him trying to find the right words to say when he doesn't really have the vocabulary behind him. Yeah, and he uh, yeah, and he had the the kind of balls to make a character that was relatable and not like he like Rocky's not a cool character. Like he, no. like he mumbles, he rambles, like, like that first scene where you, I remember when I was watching this, I didn't, there was a lot of details that I glossed over. Like the one where he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's just like babbling about, and then the next scene you realize he's trying to come up with a joke to break the ice with Adrian. Like one of the things, yeah. like one of the things I liked about those characters, especially revisiting this with a more mature perspective is that both those characters were people that like were judged by the way they comported themselves. Like people thought they were dumb. Like people thought Adrian was stupid because she didn't talk. And that's right. 
not that like that's something they had in common. It's like people underestimated them because of the way there's lots of people who could string tons of words together and, and just and they're fucking retarded. Like I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> it was like, oh, that guy must be smart because he used the word verisimilitude in a sentence. It's like, no, nope, no, no, he just never stops talking. That's the thing. Um, but ever the uh, like one of the things they, they they were always rewrite like you know Sylvester Stallone gets a lot of credit for you know cranking out the script in three days and stuff, but they did a lot of rewrites. There were a lot of changes. There was some improvisation, uh, but like generally there were a lot of changes to the script. Like we mentioned the original ending, and I don't know if people know this, but the original ending was that Rocky throws the fight, and I don't know if it's that he bets on himself and throws the fight, or he just throws the fight because. He doesn't want anything to do with being like he couldn't rise to the moment or something, which that kind of rings inauthentic to me, because if he throws the fight like that means like he had it in hand. Uh, Yeah, or it's that whole thing of like the fear of getting seriously hurt, like because there is one moment in the fight you see Mickey going, stay down. Stay yeah, that down. was at the end of round 14, I believe. Yeah, he's like, you're done. You're Yeah, yeah. But so I don't and, – and editing too, that could have been something shot for earlier in the movie initially and they placed it there. Like, because I watched uh, – and I, I don't want to take you off your trail, but did you watch any of the um, Carl Weathers and Sylvester Stallone sort of choreographing the fight and, and how Stallone was really like – directing it almost like a symphony and he's like yeah and then you're gonna go left and i'm gonna come down here and they really like rehearsed a lot of the sequences yeah it was like it was like 35 hours of rehearsals or something because they the the way the fight was originally scripted they said that it looked really it didn't look like a real boxing match it looked like they were kind of just bobbing around and it wasn't very enthusiastic it didn't look like they were actually fighting but one thing i read that and i don't know if this is somebody just taking a shot because it was just like you said, it maybe it was the way it was filmed or something, but in so in the beginning when he's fighting Spider Rico, and you see like what a brawler he is, like he he takes him down and he's hitting him when he's on the ground. So then in the first round of the of the Creed fight, when he knocks him down and he won't go back to his corner, the thing I read was like if he had just gone back to his corner and let the ref count, Apollo might not have gotten up in time and he might have won the fight in the first round. Oh, now again, I, like I don't know if that's just because you know in Hollywood sometimes t like on film time gets compressed or elongated depending on whatever happens. But I I, I thought oh, that was really interesting yeah. because it was like, what if that had happened? What if what if he had knocked him out in the first round and then it became? Do you? Th I don't know if this movie would have. Do, do you think this movie would have been the classic? It would have been if that's oh. how it turned out. I think it would have been panned. Uh, I there's like what's the payoff for this guy for 30 years of his life struggling scraping to get by getting this fateful chance and then 10 seconds in without a blemish on his face popping the champ and getting the belt and riding off into the sunset like that is not to me that is not the payoff to me the payoff to me is the love story like at the end like I love the ending because Rocky doesn't care what the results are. He's not listening. He's like, get out of my face. I've had enough stuff in my face today. By the way, I watched it with subtitles. Changed everything for me. I heard things that I didn't hear before, like when they had the mouthpieces in and the taunts coming from Apollo Creed saying, like, you think you're a boxer? I've never heard that before. Oh. It all goes one in the ear out the other. 
and when you watch with the subtitles, I'm like, that's what he yeah, says. Yeah, because when you have a okay. mouthpiece, and it's, it's like, like, it's like, yeah, you're yeah. yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, you're okay. You're fool. It's like, well, you're right. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Like uh, Kenny from South Park. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, the, the fact that he doesn't care and it's Adrian come and find him. He clearly obviously can't hear her, but she keeps saying Rocky and he's screaming Adrian, Adrian. And he finally sees her. Uh, Paulie helps her sneak into the ring. The music swells up, which we have to talk about that score. Cause I think this score took the movie to another stratosphere. And then they have this embrace and she's like, I love you. Meanwhile, Apollo's celebrating his victory uh, with broken ribs, like completely fucked up. Rocky fucked him mm. up, but Rocky's just like, I won because I have Adrian. And like that, that's where it hits you in the chest. That's the payoff. It's not the boxing match. Cause you're right. This isn't a boxing movie. It's not a sports movie. It's a love story that happens to be about a boxer. And like Adrian has to serve the purpose of making Rocky want to be better. And until he meets her, he's like completely comfortable with his station life. He goes to Apollo's office because he thinks they're offering him to be a sparring partner. That's how that's his cap for himself. And then he meets her and he wants to better himself. So he starts, you know, reading in the second movie. He starts just improving who he is as a person. And if they don't have that in this movie, Adrian serves no purpose. She's just the girlfriend that's taking up screen time for this boxer in this boxing movie. So I, I, I think that the ending that they went with was the right one to make it a good movie. Otherwise, it's like, oh, so it was just a boxing movie and all this fucking meant nothing. Okay. <laughs> Well, it, and it does. It, it, what, like when you watch the movie, and if you're watching without subtitles, they take so little focus off the actual reading of the decision. It's like you have to kind of really pay attention, or just guess yeah. how it ends. But like we were talking about, we mentioned both how the the changes in the writing process changes the scenes, and I like we also talked about how the characters, their image versus what they were really like, and. One of the scenes they changed was the very scene you mentioned where he does go to the the promoter's office about the fight and he doesn't think it's about the fight. And originally that scene was he says, No, you don't understand. We want you to fight Apollo Creed for the for the championship of the world. And he he says the original line was, I'll do my best. And they changed it because they thought that if Rocky said that, it would kind of come off like he was dumb. And also that like if he's like if he refused the fight, he's like I don't want to do it. It shows that he's a little more like it. Kind of it makes more sense with when he he tells off the bartender for calling Creed a bum because we've all done that. All, all, like we've been watching sports and we've been annoyed with something, so we could like refer to like an NFL receiver as a bum. Oh or like yeah, a quarterback yeah. as a nobody. But digressing from that, even you know, like they said they added a layer to it where. They made it almost like so Rocky gets conned into the fight. So it's almost like it evokes sympathy for him. Now, I don't know if that's like some kind of hindsight from the director trying to sound like he was playing like 4D chess when he really wasn't. But I, I like the change because I think if he just said, well, I'll do my best and then like it just goes the way it goes. And then it's like, I don't know if it it, it shows that he's really it doesn't feel real then like when like the scene where he's laying down with adrian but the night before the fight and he's all bummed out which wasn't supposed to be in the movie by the way he, he but stallone thought that was really important and they only did it in one take and this old interview i watched from way back in the day i don't know why this stuck in my head but apparently like he just drank a bunch of cheap wine 
So he would just be, like, kind of depressed and sleepy. And then he's talking about how he, like, he knows he can't win the fight, but he just wants to do something no one else has done, and that's go the full 15 rounds with the champ. That's interesting. I I don't know, because his, his, his first response is just no. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that, I mean, that's a good question. I, maybe I'm sure there's a tangible answer <clears throat> as to what that's supposed to mean and stuff. But when I try to like, cause I think the one thing that was good about Rocky, especially in this movie and the second one is Rocky's very consistent as a character. Like there's never a scene where you're like, no, oh, that seems weird that he said that you're just like, and, and it's that whole believability of the, of how real this character is and like this person Rocky is. And it's like, he says no and it's like an immediate response and it's almost like is that like the fear of him uh not living up to it or disappointing people like because he's poor he has no money like why not say yeah or i'll do my best so i'm curious as as to why the choice was to have him say no um especially if they danced around with different options why they landed on the no but well, I told you I the know. stuff I saw about it. Was it was basically to make it seem like Rocky wasn't stupid. Like if somebody came up to you I, and was like, "I don't even know," like I don't even follow boxing anymore, so I don't even know who the high, like like. But say somebody came up to you in like 2006 and was like, "Hey, do you want to fight Lennox Lewis?" What would you? I'd be like, "No." What are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it depends on the money. Like, I mean, you could do a butch from Pulp Fiction. And just, but actually go down. Yeah, or just get your head caved in with the first punch. Like, well, I think about in, in 2006, I weighed like 160 pounds. So I wouldn't even be in that weight class. I would take one a one body shot and go down. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you just take one shot to the liver and your body just fails. Like you instantly jaundice. Like you're just like, oh, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I would not. I don't like getting hit. Uh, boxing is not interesting to me. I, I fear brain injury. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. You, you leave all that aside. If you've ever like worked a heavy bag, it is fucking exhausting. Like go all out on a bag for 30 seconds. Like if you have no training, you'll be sucking wind. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. For anyone who thinks that those things move when you hit them, that don't, it's not like Rocky, you know, that, that bag isn't swaying all the way left to right when you're punching it. Like those things are fucking heavy. And of course, Rocky's beating up fucking cow meat in this movie, which which is so funny and so juvenile of me. Like I'm watching this with this analytical eye for this for the podcast, and I'm watching uh, that scene where Duke is watching the news and Rocky's there with the newswoman, and she's like, "How do you practice?" And he starts punching the fucking cow, and he starts beating the shit out of it. His hands are all bloody, and Apollo's doing the whole thing that Rocky ends up doing in Rocky Three, which is taking it easy talking about his investments talking about how you know what he's going to do in the future and duke's like watching it and i'm just i was sort of laughing myself because i'm like i'm like duke's watching a man beat his meat <laughs> <laughs> you had to do it did you fucking loser <laughs> me that is not 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 Duke. no i know i i know exactly what you're saying I, just, <laughs> you're just like idiot <laughs> idiot yeah exactly um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, we haven't really talked about Apollo much, but I, I think that also made the movie too, because I thought Carl Weathers was just so good in this movie yeah. and he didn't have like a big role either. When you think about yeah, it, apparently they had a really hard time 
casting for Apollo Creed. They were going to have Ken Norton play him, who uh, he's a, another. He, he used to play football. He was in a. Oh, okay. He was <laughs> he was in this movie called Mandingo, which was like a black exploitation movie about sl- the antebellum South. How did we not talk about that two weeks ago? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I know if we, I knew it would cut. Co- if we ever did a Django Unchained podcast, it would definitely have come up. But eventually we'll get to all, all the Tarantinos, I'm sure, except Hateful Eight. Yeah, you'll uh, have to actually watch the Hateful Eight. You'll, you'll actually shit. have to burn like three and a half hours of your life <laughs> to watch that movie. Imagine I come out of that like, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> you know? uh, I would have to just, I would have to just be like, we're just going to have to agree to it. it. It'd probably be the same. Like if you watch Cloud Atlas and you're like, man, you know, that's re- it really wasn't that bad. And I'd just be like, I just can't talk about this with you. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to be respectful. Like, I just don't think I just can't have this conversation. I just like, don't no, want to hear it. Give it. Give it another watch. On the second watch is when it really hits, and you're like, "Nah, I'm good." I, I will never do that. I will. I will never ever do that. Ever. <laughs> I like. Yeah. I I don't like to say things, especially never if I don't mean them. I will never watch Cloud Atlas again. <laughs> never. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I've never seen it. I have no interest. So whatever. You made the right decision. But back to Carl Weathers, like uh, how part of how he got the role. And again, Sylvester Stallone revisited some of this on his recent Jimmy Fallon appearance, which, you know, probably people watched only on YouTube, I imagine. You love Jimmy Fallon. I, dude, I, it came up on the YouTube, like the, the algorithm feed. Like I didn't even because I think I was I was I was like I looked up a couple other things about Rocky and it came up, you know. So if I look at if I look at your phone. There won't be an alarm set for like eleven thirty-two p.m. every night. No, man, I'm I am out cold at eleven thirty-two yeah. just about every night of the week. What time do you go to bed usually? Uh, during the week, like yeah. usually before eleven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> am I I'm being interrogated about possibly being a, <laughs> no, no, a closet no. Jimmy no. Fallon fan? No, 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 no. It's just I definitely don't see you being a late night host fan. So you brought up Fallon twice. So I was like, this is interesting. No, I just he, did because it, it just happened to show me this clip of Stallone talking about the original Rocky movie and Carl Weathers' role in it. And oh, it was Fallon like, that's very fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. It's like Stallone's trying to tell like a meaningful story about a, a universally loved movie, and, and Fallon just makes it all about himself. He's like, oh god, that's so fucking great. <laughs> Let's get Ariana Grande on here to do an impression of you. It's like, man, fuck this guy. He's like, he's like, I'll tell you what. Let's reenact the last conversation you ever had with Carl Weathers. I'll be Carl, and you be you be you. Ass. Wasn't it great the more cowbell sketch where I was just like laughing the whole time, and I like just couldn't keep my shit together. Like, and I just I just tried to take all the attention off the funny shit that was happening. That was every skit ever, Jimmy. <laughs> nice, nice. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Carl. Sorry, Carl. No, yeah, it's fine. It's he. So he now. This was it. I didn't look. Was this his uh, film debut? I assume no. I don't think it was his debut. I. It was. It was probably his first real big movie. But he. What like what got him cast was he showed up and I guess he was kind of, with the way Stallone describes it. He was in a bad mood about something. And then he's reading some lines, and then Stallone's rehearsing with him, and he didn't know that Stallone was the writer and the star of this thing. So they're actually, like, rehearsing a boxing match, and he tags Stallone a couple times on the chin, and they tell him, it's like, 
you know, this is just a rehearsal. You're not supposed to actually hit him. He goes, well, maybe if you brought me a real actor instead of a stand-in, I'd do better. And, oh. and Stallone goes, and they tell him, it's like, you know, this is the guy who wrote the script and he's going to be playing Rocky. And he goes, well, maybe he'll get better. And and they said that's like well, that's what got him cast because it was like he already had that attitude like that because it was like you mentioned uh, pretty astutely that Apollo was so much more concerned about the spectacle of the fight than whatever he just thought he was going to be fighting some tomato can and then right. like you said his coach tomato. Duke tried to warn him a couple times like talked about how he's a southpaw and then he was like he's watching him hit the meat really hard he's like trying to get his attention and he's like too busy like getting coffee from the secretary and talking about like probably talking about what his fucking wardrobe was gonna be for the fight yeah, like, he's yeah. facing the other direction he's not even looking at the tv yeah it's like yeah i want to be dressed as one of the founding fathers then i want to be in my uncle sam hat like i want to i want to go from there to there right instead of yeah he's a, it's, a, it's like a lady gaga show <laughs> It really outfit after outfit, but it's uh, the boxing champ of the world. Now, I don't I mean, I don't know where they got that from because I'm not a boxing historian. Like I know the greats and stuff like that. But did any boxer I know he was emulating or based on Muhammad Ali, but did any boxer have theatrics like Apollo does? Or was that just something they cooked up for the movie? Well, I think I think Muhammad Ali did some of that stuff for sure, especially during promotions. And sometimes he wore goofy outfits to the ring. Oh, do I, that's what I mean, yeah. like the weird outfits. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, Joe Frazier yeah. claimed that the the hitting the meat and the Philadelphia Art Museum stairs were stuff that were lifted from him and uncredited, because he was the only boxer. They they one of the funny recurring the, themes from this movie is it was shot so on the cheap, like the budget was like around a million dollars. And yeah, just under. Yeah. The producers actually had to mortgage their houses for the, it was like 1.1 million or something. They had to mortgage their houses to get the last hundred thousand. And then in something you'd never see anymore, the advertising budget was like four times the production budget. They spent like four million on ads, but they spent only spent a million on the movie. And they kind of shot it like guerrilla style, like they brought in a non-union crew from New York, and they were. Like supposedly the scene where Sylvester Stallone's running and they like so like the director John Appleton's just hanging out of the side of a van filming it and then the dude throws him an orange and like that wasn't scripted it was just some some wise ass uh, Philly street vendor just decided to throw him an orange <laughs> while he's doing <laughs> it and uh, that's that's kind of cool though yeah and actually the rumor is that the Philadelphia unions ran the production out of town that's why they had to finish it in L A. Like, the ice rink oh. was shot in L.A. Cause, and there was supposed to be all these... It was supposed to be, like, a working ice rink, but then they, they, they found a way for many seeds... Well, I shouldn't say many, because I always overstate. I always say very, and I say many too much. But several seeds they had to kind of improvise to overcome the lack of money they had for extras and things like that. Like, the ice rink, they came up with that being empty because nobody showed up for the scene. And, or, like... The, the where he points out his robe is too baggy. The robe came too baggy. They didn't have money to order another one. So they just wrote a line of dialogue in. The, and I love that line. Yeah. Like, it... <clears throat> I, I don't know why it works, but it's like... Rocky is always so in the moment. Like, literally, whatever moment he is in, like, that's what is on his mind. He's about to walk out for something that's going to change his life in in varying ways that he never would have imagined. 
And he's talking about he bring he brings up twice how baggy the robe is. <laughs> yeah, it was the same deal with his shorts being the wrong color, because they. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't think it matters. And but let me ask you if you knew this, because remember when we did the Ghostbusters pod, and I was so in love with the fact that Egon was telling Vinkman using finger signs at how much to charge. And I never saw that before. Yeah. I don't know how I missed this. But obviously, you know, Rocky has the ad on the back for the meat packing plant. And Mickey's like, what is this? I didn't pay you to, I, I don't have you to be here, billboard. And he's like, Paulie gets three grand. I get to keep the robe. And then we see Paulie and he tells Rocky that his date cost $200. <laughs> so Paulie brought a hooker to Rocky's fight because of the three grand he got by putting a sticker on his back. Yeah, he, he, I think he, that is so ridiculous. I didn't catch the hooker part. I definitely know that he, he spent some money on the new suit. But that he said my date cost two hundred dollars, and he has this young girl with him. That closes a huge plot hole for me because I was like, "Where did that chick come from?" I'll tell you where she came from. <laughs> she was singing about ten feet from those guys who were singing "Do Do 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 Take It Back." And you know who was leading that troupe? You guessed Frank it, fucking Stallone. Frank Stallone. Fuck yeah. Isn't he older than Sly? I don't know. I just wanted to pay tribute to Norm because I still miss him. <laughs> That's two Norm tributes uh, on this podcast. So how about that? Um, but we're not doing uh, dirty work next. That's for sure. Oh, what's that Butler movie he did? That was really Screwed. I think Dave yeah. Chappelle was in that too. Oh, is it urine? It is. It I is never urine. saw it, but I heard it was a huge flop. And then it, it just goes to show you could have all the comedic firepower in the world. And if you don't have like a good premise or a good script, it's just going to go to oh, shit. Terrible. Anyway. Terrible movie. Yeah. Um. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was my big revelation. I, I've seen Rocky probably like, I don't know, 20 times. Who knows how many times. But I have, for whatever reason, the, the like focus on the fight maybe um just really just having tunnel vision i didn't connect to that and he tells us right there that paulie brought a 200 hundred dollar hooker to rocky's fight uh, and uh, you're right he is that guy who's just hanging on to the you know the tree that feeds him and the the minute rocky gets an offer he's like hey you ever think about me you know i could help you train and stuff meanwhile he's sitting there like like cartman and south park on the couch with cheesy poofs completely like out of shape and now i know you mentioned in real life he was a boxer but completely out of shape completely drunk complete loser telling rocky how he's going to help him train now and and rocky politely saying like well i got this far by myself i guess i'll just keep going and he gets all pissed off so then eventually he get, convinces him to get the ad on the back maybe that was cut for time but now we see he gets the three grand and what does he do immediately he doesn't save it he doesn't pay his rent or his bills he gets a hooker and a big suit he's just like the, he's a fucking loser and probably an eight ball let's let's be real he did seem happy and energetic <laughs> yeah yeah it was a, I, uh, it was kind of the same thing with burgess meredith like the mick character he he comes back out of the woodwork when he gets this title shot after he'd been he'd been treating him like garbage for years and yeah, I, I, I kind of thought about that. I was like, it, it, this might not, this isn't going to be like a good discussion because it's more self-evident, but it seems like Rocky just took him out as his trainer because he didn't really have any other options. It's like, this is the guy I know. Like they tried to connect. Uh, he tried to connect with him over the thing about his boxing story, but it's like, dude, you treated this guy like shit for years and he just like lets it go. And 
Uh, I have a deeper take that you're not going to agree with. But you don't know you that. Me? Yeah, we'll see. <clears throat> but I, I, I really do love that scene when Mick goes to Rocky's apartment because it does like clearly seem, oh, immediately he changes his tune. But I do think there's earnest, there's an earnestness to uh, Mickey's approach to Rocky because I think he is ultimately still protective of him. Um, I think it's that like, I love you so much that I'm going to treat you like shit more than everybody else type of thing. And he probably saw wasted potential in him that, you know, and he talks about how he was a fighter and like he probably sees Rocky wasting all that raw talent he had. And that's why he's angry at him. That's why he took his locker away. So I think he does see the opportunity, but he also knows that he has a child. Like, I believe everything he's saying about I got all this knowledge here and I can't do anything with it. I want to give it to you. I think that was real. So I do think it's the opportunity, but I don't think I'm putting him in the same bucket as Pauly, where Pauly's just like, yeah, gravy train. Now I'm on it. Now we're going to get some money out of this. But I, I I, do like, you know, Rocky hides in the bathroom and Mickey closes the door because he forgot his hat and Rocky thought he had left and he comes back out and he sees him and goes right back into the bathroom. It's like he's still a very uh, innocent-minded person. He's this big, brawly fighter but he has a childlike sensitivity to him and i think he does see mickey as like a father figure because they don't talk about rocky's parents he mentions his dad once saying like use your body because you don't have a brain but he's sort of estranged from any sort of parents he's sort of an orphan doesn't really have neighbors that we see he's sort of on his own with his two turtles and eventually a dog and I do think he sees Mickey as like this father figure. So I think that is how I see that relationship. And then when Mickey leaves and Rocky's screaming and you could still hear him screaming and Mickey's just walking down the street, he runs after him. Cause I do think he feels bad because I think he does care about him. I don't think it's one of those, like you, you don't go from this raw emotion of screaming like, yeah, it does stink. And just having this whole meltdown of everything's coming out of you. You're just completely emotionally venting all of it. And then say like, well, I do need a manager though. I think it's like, I think I just pushed away the person that I might care about most as a father figure. And he chased him down because he felt so bad. And they like hug each other and then they shake hands, you know. I'm taking all that in, he still would have been at that apartment if he wasn't fighting the world champ. Agreed. He never would have been there. That, that was Agreed. all I was saying. Both can exist. I think. Yeah. Both, both yeah. reasons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> that's all that fucking movie's good People for. People listening are like, well, that's fucking seven seconds of my life. I'm never going to get back. <laughs> that's the only way we'll talk about Goldmember on this podcast. <laughs> those shitty references uh, that we love so much. Um, so uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Mickey and Burtis Meredith. Um because I actually, the first time I ever saw him was in the old Batman show. Uh, my dad would like tape reruns for me, like the Adam West show, and he played the Penguin. Um, I don't know if you ever watched that old. Oh movie yeah, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. With the Dutch angles and all the and and Julie Newmar. Oh, let me tell you. But <laughs> Burtis Meredith, like he always had that that very distinct voice, and he, he was always old. Like I remember even seeing like Clash of the Titans. He was old. He was always like this old guy. And then he's like in his 70s doing this movie. And then there he is decades later, you know, in the 90s, still doing stuff in like grumpy old men. 
to your point about he's old enough to play Jack Lemmon's dad. But I guess my point about his character is that that also felt very real too because he's just like this very fragile, grumpy old man. And I like me and our, our mutual friends uh, from from my area, like uh, Chad and Carl and all those guys, like we just like would laugh so hard about that scene where Rocky loses his locker and how Mickey gives it to Dipper because Dipper's a contender. He's a climber. He's like, what am I? A tomato. <laughs> it's just like he can barely get words out. But the way he says things is just so funny. You're a tomato. You're a bum. Hey, you're a bum. Like, I just love... It's just so funny to me, that whole exchange. He's just so fucking mean to him. But the way he says it was such strain in his voice. I crack up every Apparently, he, I, I love Bird is Mary. Yeah, apparently he ad-libbed the, uh, the, Hey, Rock, you ever think about retiring? Like, that wasn't in the script, but he said it in a take one time. So they're like, yeah, we'll just go with it. Like, that's... I mean, anytime that guy says something, it's got to be usable gold at some point or another. <laughs> like, it, he's just so good. Uh, I Like, that's another... Like, there's so many parts of this movie that I think about, and without being, you know, um, too dramatic about it um, or hyperbolic about it, it's like, I don't know if this movie's as good if, you know, some other old fuck is playing Mickey. Like, I think he just has... He's got the cauliflower ear. He's got the, the gruff voice. He just, like, feels like he's street smart. It's just like he was so perfect for that role. I don't even know how they got him for that role because I think he was pretty well established at the time. So it's uh, it, 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 it's almost like the Alec Guinness Star Wars signing. It's like they got somebody with a lot of real experience and talent. And then when you look around the rest of the roster, it's like Stallone, not a lot of experience. Carl Weathers, not a lot of experience. And then all you have left is Burt Young and Talia Shire. Talia Shire obviously having plenty of experience, having working with Coppola and, of course, The Godfather. But... I feel like Burgess Meredith, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but probably the most seasoned uh, actor or, or, and talented in terms of repertoire uh, in, in the small cast. Well, that makes sense. And uh, you asked, and I have an answer for you. So when they were trying to cast for this part, a lot of the older actors, because it was such a small production, thought it was like an indignity that they had to read. Like they wanted, oh. they originally wanted Lee Strasberg, who played Hyman Roth in Godfather 2. And... How it came up was that he and Burgess Meredith were friends, and he goes, yeah, they want me to... I, I got a script for this boxing movie, and they want me to read for it. And Burgess Meredith thought it, it was kind of funny, and then he asked around about it, and that's how he found out about the movie, and he ended up auditioning and getting the part. Because Stallone did some press in 82 when he was promoting Rocky Three, And he said that the original cast lineup was supposed to be this actress named Carrie Snodgrass was supposed to play Adrian. And I... I don't know who that is. I can't think of something they were in. I can't place her face. Uh, an actor named Lee J. Cobb was supposed to play Mickey. And again, same thing. And uh, I think they wanted uh, Harvey Keitel to play... Um, to play Pauly. No, to play Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> He just shows up in black slacks and a white beard. Yes, exactly. Like, he just shows up in the sport <laughs> outfit a year before a taxi driver comes out. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. That's exactly where my head went. Like, he's just like, he's like, uh, he's like just talking about like, like underage girls and like how good the sex is with them. And you're just like, oh, oh. 
And then Rocky starts beating on him. You're like, all right. Okay. <laughs> they, I don't know if this is true, but supposedly the guy who played TC on Magnum P.I. auditioned to be Apollo Creed, but that didn't pan out. Hmm. So I, I again like I, when you go get into this alternate casting stuff, there's really not a ton of it for this movie, but it's it's all over the place. Like one of the people they were talking to for Adrian was they were gonna have Susan Sarandon in the movie, and it's like and then they just decided no, she's too hot, <laughs> like she can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Janet Weiss has a problem getting dates, of course. <laughs> That'd be too much soap for this movie. That'd be way too much soap for this movie. Yeah. And the other, the, one of the other ones they were talking about playing Adrian was Cher. Really? Yeah. See, I I know that sounds crazy, but I think about like Moonstruck. Didn't she like, win an Oscar for that? Yeah. Or she was nominated. She. I don't know if she won. Maybe you're right. But like, the she can act. Like Cher's like I like. Cher. I'm a I'm a fan of Cher. I don't, I don't know how to, like, I don't buy her albums or anything like that, but I just like her fucking attitude. Like, she's real. Like, she like she does not take shit from people. I just, something about Cher, I think, is pretty rock and roll, and I think she probably would have been a good Adrian, but I, I just think Talia Shire was so good that I don't have any, like, need to picture someone else playing her. And and that's, I think that's, that's a theme for this movie across the board, like, there's plenty of movies where I love people in certain roles, and I'm like, I could also see this person doing it though. Like I, I, I've notoriously said, like I could easily see Kurt Russell crushing Han Solo. Like I think he absolutely could do that. Jack Burton, same, pretty much same type of character. You're a little biased but, on that one, though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, right. I am. Well, I'm also biased to Harrison Ford. It's like you know, I'm in a love triangle of <laughs> uh, Han Solo. But yeah, Talia Shire was so good, but. When you said share, I'm like, oh man, because then I, my brain goes to Moonstruck and like the like her like yelling at Nick Cage and like I'm like that could probably work, you know, because like Adrian really grows up fast in this movie, and I bet she could have pulled that off. But you don't like the Susan Sarandon alternate casting? No, I don't really like Susan Sarandon, like all that much, and uh, and that might be Trey Parker's fault. It might not be, <laughs> but 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 like it, it's just like. And not to bring any sort of politics into this at all, but anytime those actors, every election say, I'm moving out of the country if blank gets elected and they never leave they're, they're They still have their house in Malibu. They never go anywhere, but it's like, what are you trying to like? Did you think you're convincing people to vote for someone? So you don't leave the country, Susan Sarandon. So it's like that type of stuff. I just get turned off by. But. Well, I mean, it's not just famous people. It's like people you know who like I, I knew a bunch of people back in like oh four who said that if Bush won a second term, they were fucking gonna move to Canada. It's like and do what? Like <laughs> freeze your dick off, like like pay more taxes. What? Learn French. What? Learn yeah, French. Yeah, you gotta learn French. If you're gonna go yeah. to pretty much any part of Canada. and then like, you know what? They're all still fucking here. So twenty years later. All, you, they are. They are all still here. <laughs> fucking hate it man just just don't say it unless you're gonna do it just not yeah just knock it off really just stop it you're embarrassing the yourself. fucking drama of it oh god it makes me sick 
you know you you brought up the point about they, they didn't have a lot of money for extras and stuff and it does like that sort of did a like a, a glass shattering moment for me because i'm thinking about like those famous shots of rocky's apartment from the exterior and how there's all these units but you never see people going in and out of them he, he it's almost like he's the only occupant and it's like i think about that and then you brought up the ice rink and i'm like it's closed so they didn't have to you know pay for extras and other people skating around the pet store there's like nobody in there ever it's like the only people we ever see are like the street tough kids the homeless guys like you know frank stallone and a lot of them i guess were just friends or kids of friends to sort of fill out the background without having to pay a ton of money but but then like also to another point point you brought up before which is so true that rocky is not cool and he's not likable where he does this good thing for that girl, Marie. He walks her home, tries to teach her a lesson about like, you know, you got to have respect for yourself or people are going to respect you. And she's like, thanks, Rock. Thanks for the walk. And she's like, screw off, you creep. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, so like, and he just takes it. And it's like, Rocky keeps taking all these freaking hits from people. Gazo's driver, buddy, like giving him all this shit, making fun of Adrian, making fun of Rocky. And he he takes it he like yells at the guy but then when he gets in those moments where he's in the ring and like what he does to spider rico like you were saying at the end and like what he does to apollo and like what he does when he like really like he that's why he hits so hard because life fucking he's dealt with so much shit in his life that he hits a little extra harder than everybody else and that's probably something apollo didn't anticipate and that's why apollo got absolutely rattled and rocked and his ribs got cracked he probably thought, yeah, this guy may be able to fight. He's a street fighter. I don't think he realized all the all of the shit Rocky had bottled up in him through 30 years of his life was being unloaded onto that guy's ribs. And I love it. Yeah, that's a good interpretation of it. And, and, and the funny thing is, is how many people think they have that gear, but don't. Like, especially people like yeah. keyboard warriors on the internet. Like, oh man, if I got mad, it's like, what? You do what? Move to Canada? Fuck. <laughs> Like, no, I'm just gonna watch Stepmom again. <laughs> Stepmom. <laughs> Was Susan Sarandon in that? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fucking God. Just so just seamless. Like just tied it all together. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, Susan Sarandon. Um, no, I'm glad she wasn't casting this. What do you I mean, what do you think of Talia Shire? Like, I know you and I are, are like it's well known as our top viewed episode the godfather like we love that movie we loved her performance in that movie uh what do you think about her in this role and what do you think about her in, in general in this uh franchise i, I think she's great in this movie I, you know i had more of an appreciation for it when i was watching it this time because i well i think it's just because i hadn't seen it in such a long time but like mm -hmm. you said that she really does go through and it's not like uh a, it's not like they do it today like when i was watching this movie and it just so many of the emblematic things I think of in 70s cinema were there. I don't think this is the right word for it, but it was kind of like like naturalistic filming, like static shots, slow tracking, you know, long takes, you know, stuff like that. And it, the, yeah. the way people talk, it's not, it's more real. It's not like she's not, like she, did, she didn't give some fucking soliloquy about how she's coming into her own now. Like she has the love of a good man and she's found... You know, it's like it just kind of happens and you see it like she gets more assertive dealing with her brother and 
she talks more and she starts dressing better and she, like because mm-hmm. you know part of this like low budget fit gorilla filmmaking thing was people were encouraged to bring their own clothes and props so the hat i think was hers the glasses and coat she bought somewhere and then she said she tied it together with the hat because she thought it would and I, I maybe that was her idea too was to make adrian buttoned up and wearing unflattering clothes and then she feels better about herself and she starts wearing like red and like the clothes fit better and stuff like that but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm babbling a little bit but my point is that i i thought she brought a lot to this performance that's really easy to miss especially if you're just focusing on the drama of the fighting like the drama of the training and the underdog thing but like the first hour of the movie it's like there's almost none of that there's the locker shit and there's the one fight you watch right but the rest of the time you're, you're just kind of watching rocky and he's just kind of babbling and then he tries to talk to adrian and she's just just stonewalling him but it's not even like she's doing it to be mean it's like she's doing it just because she's so shy yeah exactly yeah he's trying to joke around with her and you could tell she's interested but she doesn't know how to express that interest she's not like walking away from him or like because if you're work if you you know, if you're working in a pet store, there's a lot of things you could do to sh- like show that you're busy. And she stays right near him by the, that birdcage. And she's listening to all his attempts at trying to be funny. And she even like smirks and laughs at one of his jokes. And he's like, oh, you're all right. So I, I think they did a, a, such a good job of capturing that because it does feel, I think maybe to your point about how 70s movies are shot, it does sort of feel more like we're observing two people sort of feeling each other out. As opposed to like, oh, this is a scene in the movie and they're jumping around back and forth and there's a cam on him, cam on her. It's like sometimes they just let that scene sort of happen and you sort of see these two very like vulnerable, very real human people uh, sort of falling in love. And I, you know, I'm I've always been a bit of a softy, but as I get older, like the sentiments of this movie hit me a little harder because you know now you know i'm married i have kids and i i am more dialed into the human side of things and i think this movie is great and i love it so much because of the relationship between the two of them whereas when i was a kid i was like it's a boxing movie it's rocky and in the first one he fights apollo he fights apollo again then he fights mr t and it's like no that that's not what it is it's like it becomes that i guess and they still give us reasons for those fights, but it's like, now this movie is just a love story and it happens to be about a boxer. And like the ending affirms that for me because again, she gets in the ring and the first thing Rocky does as these people are trying to interview him, he's like, where's your hat? You know, he's like focused, so focused on her that he remembered she wore a hat to the biggest night of his life. Like if I was in that situation and Kathleen was there, she could have been wearing literally nothing and then you know shows up with with a, a a gold robe and i'd be like i had no idea that one or the other you know but rocky's like where's your hat and it's just like i can't believe they threw that in there it's just like this stupid small little thing and it's just like showing that all he cares about is her and it's like it's a very and then the music swells and i was like god damn i'm not about to get emotional for rocky right now mike's gonna call me gay or something not true not yeah. true because i'm a soulless bachelor and it still kind of hit me a little harder than it did when i was younger like yeah, yeah just all the notes from yeah you know just him talking yeah. about his doubts and then how tough the fight was like the 
you know, you just watch these guys. I mean, like, do you think? I, I just can't even imagine what it's like because now professional fights are 12 rounds, but to go 15 mm-hmm. three minute rounds like that, I mean. And I, I wonder if I would love to talk because I think this is one of those movies that's so old that I don't really remember my first watch of it. And I remember I probably watched it on TV as a kid during a marathon around Thanksgiving with my dad or something. And it's like, yeah, it's Rocky. He, he, there's a bunch of movies. Like I remember like there were five Rockies and that was like unheard of for a franchise. There were five movies, you know, it's crazy. Except for bond, Um, but they weren't numbered. Yeah. There's some, yeah. But but when it comes to uh, a continuity of uh, one guy playing one role, like there's franchise stuff like star Wars, of course, but like, a, a movie a franchise about one guy played by one guy and mostly the same people. I'm like, it's crazy. You had the Rocky box set. The, the yeah. The Rocky story. I remember that. Yeah. The Rocky story. So I, I don't remember and I'm getting like lost on my point here, but I think what I'm trying to say is like, I don't remember first watching Rocky. And I wonder if people, when they were watching the movie in the theater the first time, if there was any fear whatsoever of like, this guy's going to die in the ring as they're watching the movie. Cause then that adds it. Because you're already you're in love with the character, you're 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 a hundred percent vested. You're rooting for him. You're hoping things work out for this guy, whether he wins this fight or not. I wonder if there was any sense of like people watching the theater, like I hope they don't fucking kill this guy. It's like when I watch a movie with a dog, I'm like, if they kill the fucking dog, we have a problem. That, and that, I wonder- that's the real cheap emotional manipulation. Oh, the worst. So, so I, I just, what do you think about that? I, I wonder if that was a, an added element here or if people like watch that movie, just expecting it to have a happy ending because Rocky, like I know movies today like to subvert the expectations and they often do have the people come up short at the end or something. But I don't know that that was always the case in the seventies with with movies so i wonder if rocky losing this fight was also an added like wow that's interesting that they had him lose well after all i think that. 70 cinema was a lot less predictable that's why it was so great and so many filmmakers yeah. like you could have a movie that's totally by the numbers and then you could have a movie that's completely nihilistic it has no point mm-hmm. there's no catharsis there's no resolution but right this movie I, I i don't think what you're saying is impossible but i just don't think this movie really set set it to be that dark like that would have been a real Fair. left turn, I think, if he got if he got like his head caved in and he never woke up at the end of the movie, right? Like uh, Million Dollar Baby. I never saw that. I heard about that, but I'd, same here. I never saw it. I still Clint Eastwood fan. Just never got around to seeing that one. And then I heard like sort of how it plays out. Spot. Sorry for the spoilers, folks. And by the way, thank you to everybody for listening to the pod uh, as we venture into our approach to a hundred episodes. I think we're at seventy eight, seventy seven. Around there. Mike usually knows. I don't know today. But, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not today. Not this day. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You know, just look up Just Like the Movies on your favorite podcast app to subscribe, however you found us. Uh, for anyone who searched us and, and somehow found us on Apple or Spotify, thank you. And if you don't mind, if you have other people that you like to hang out with and talk about these movies with, let them know about the pod. We appreciate it. Um, sorry about the plugs. But Mike, uh Back to you. Sorry, I felt like I may have stepped on your toes there a little bit. It's all right, man. I was just, I don't know. I kind of wanted to get on a little topic about the, you know, you brought up the music, how the music almost became like another character in the movie. And Mm -hmm. 
one of the one of the trivia factoids that I found pretty interesting was uh, Talia Shire's husband was initially supposed to do it, and then he backed out. So that they got like they got Bill Conti because he was just the he just was the low, he was the lowball bid because they only had twenty five grand for music. That was everything. That was musicians. It was it was the tape they the actual tape they had to record it on everything and. He came up with the, the you know the iconic song and the score and so I mean that that really became kind of like almost I, I when I was saying the Rocky story I think the Rocky story was the Rocky story the box set or was it the soundtrack? <clears throat> so I'm thinking of the five movie set. No, I know there went... there was both, but I I think I might have missed a true. I think the Rocky story was the name of the soundtrack, not the box set. I think the Rocky. I think that just might have been the Rocky collection. The Rocky story, I think, was the the, the about the Rocky story is the soundtrack. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was just the box set, or um, but I remember if you put all five movies next to each other, it makes up the f- full picture of Rocky with the American flag on him. Yeah, from Rocky Four. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we all had that box set, you know. At some point, yes. for sure. Yeah, we all, we all needed to own all the movies. That was how it was back then. Uh, and, and, and it seems to be trending back that way as, you know, digital mediums where people are buying digital copies of things are vanishing. So hang on to your DVDs and your VHSs, kids. Uh, who knows what's going what's gonna to happen to your movies if you just buy all digital. But anyway, that's my, that's my pitch on that. Um, but yeah, so the music uh yeah i i it's 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 played in sporting events not just philly uh it's iconic i think if you hear you know because people always say you know i the tiger is the rocky song but it's like yeah in rocky three it shows up but like the rocky theme and like the training montages and even the the end of the movie how it builds up to to the decision when they get back in the ring with adrian and rocky it's like it, it hits heavy and hits hard and it's very memorable and it's it's iconic in the way that you know a lot of like john williams scores are, are tied to a lot of his movies and that's rare to come by and maybe even rare to come by for a movie that had uh you know no expectations it had a less than a million dollar budget and this guy again you know maybe it's the theme of this is the underdog story where everyone's they're taking a chance on everybody because they don't have money to afford the the real people. And it wound up working out in all facets and he gets nominated for best score at the Oscars or best song or whatever it was, best track. I don't think it won, did it? But no, I'm not sure. It it just pumped. Like you listen to the Rocky music, whether it's the, like my favorite is in Rocky two when he won't leave Adrian's side. And she says, I want to tell you something. She goes, come here. She goes, win. And then you hear like that bell toll. And then he starts training. I'm like, that gives me like goosebumps. And like the Rocky music gets me motivated. It just does. And it works for this movie. It works for life. People use it to run. People use it in movies. People use it in sporting events. It's just one of those transcendent scores. And I don't know where he they got him from or how that happened. But I'm so glad it did because I don't want to know what the alternative would have been. Yeah, plus with the Rocky songs, like people can't mutter along to it at the gym when they're listening to it on their earphones. Like this one fucking meathead who just like mutters rap lyrics wearing shorts and a hoodie makes no fucking sense to me. 
It's like, are you hot or are you cold? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> How do you know the rap lyrics? So you know the song? No, it, it just sounds like rap. It's just like muttering. That's what it sounds like. Oh, just muttering okay. to himself like a homeless person while doing upright rows. Does he at least wipe down the machines? No. No. Scumbag. <laughs> okay. I had to retire from the gym. I was, you know, watching Rocky, you know, chugging his raw eggs and working out and stuff. And he, he has a, like, it's a very bare bones workout he has in this movie compared to, you know, some of the other movies. But, like, I, my, my buddies who go to the gym are getting hurt all the fucking time. They're hurting their shoulders. They're hurting everything. And I'm just like, I don't, I mean, I want to be strong and stuff, but I also don't want to like pay to go get hurt. Yeah. You, you just got to be a lot more careful at this age. Like I, I was going pretty regular and then I had to lay off for almost a year because my shoulder was bugging me. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. And then I, Absolutely I get, you know, you get back into it eventually, but it's just, yeah, it's, you yeah. got to be a lot more like when you're, when you're in this age bracket, it's more about injury avoidance than it's like, yeah, you want to be making, you want to be making moves, but like moves up in the lifts you're doing. But at the same time, like if you hear, if, if you're, if your fucking shoulder sounds like a, like a bowl of rice Krispies, it's like, it's like, all right, yeah, I better take a, take a week off or something and reevaluate. But well, when, when you're getting your rice Krispies going in your shoulder, what's in your ear pods? Oh, I don't listen to music. You don't? No. You just listen to the sounds of the gym? I mean, I, I spend so much time in my life looking at screens and listening to shit. It's like, it's almost like it's a, it, it almost kind of grounds me more in reality. Either that oh, or I'm just okay. too cheap to buy your, but it, like, I hate bringing my phone into, I don't bring my phone into the gym either. Well, nice. So, yeah. Little, little escape. Yeah. It's oh, like yeah. 45 minutes. I can be without it. People are like, so, wow, this is fucking fascinating. Can you guys get back to the movie, please? Yes. We're, well, yeah, we're back to the. Well, movie. I mean, we talked. Well, I mean, we talked about the story, the actors, the, you know, the kind of the, the development. I I spent a lot less time on the development of this movie than I than I usually do, because it it was kind of an interesting story, but at the same time, it's 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 like there's not a ton of detail about it. It's like that Sylvester Stallone had this script that he wrote after seeing a fight, and then he pitched it at a failed audition. He also tried to get Henry Winkler to do something with it. But again, the people involved with that wanted to turn it into a TV movie and take him out of the project and rewrite it. So he basically begged him to do like to not to undo that deal. So there, this, there so there were two Winklers involved. There was unrelated Henry Winkler and Erwin yeah. Winkler are not related. That's why when like Sylvester Stallone had to give up the rights to the to the franchise, that was what he had to give up to play Rocky. Like he had to give up the the writing fee that you mentioned. He had to work on points, which probably actually worked out for him. And then that's why when they did Creed three, he was like doing press and talking about how he didn't think it was a good idea, but they didn't come to him because it wasn't up to him anymore. It was up to the like what was left of that studio or that production team that started this franchise. You know. That's that. It's just wild. Like this movie, like I don't understand how it happened and became so good because so many things, everything had to go right for for a movie with this low of a budget for people to love it. And I think the story probably captured a lot of people because you know the mid seventies were like one of the bleakest times in American society. You know, people were not happy, and 
interest rates are through the roof, gas is uh, shortages. You went to the pump based on what letter of the alphabet your street started with, like Nixon, Carter, Vietnam, all that shit. So then they got this hopeful story about this hopeful love story, and maybe that's enough to draw people in. And then it went up being good. People loved it, and they saw it again, and it made all this money, like $220 million or whatever it was. But I'm like looking at the director. I'm like John Avildsen, and it's so funny how he wins best director for this, for the first Rocky, comes back for Rocky Five to try to finish the story and like reground it from the over the top '80s action of Rocky Four, and he gets nominated for worst director at the Razzies for Rocky Five. Like what has that ever happened? Is this the only time that has ever happened where one director, same franchise wins best director and then also gets nominated for worst director? I, it, I can't think of another example. It doesn't mean it isn't out there, but I, I can't think of one. We got to get James Cameron to direct one more Terminator. <laughs> I just don't. I think if James Cameron... Did, well, James Cameron's going to be doing Avatar movies until five years after he's dead. Oh, so God. he's not doing another Terminator movie. It's like it's like James Cameron's going to die in like 2047 and 2051. It's like, Avatar 8. And it's like, he's fucking dead. How did, it's an Avatar of James Cameron directing Avatar. <laughs> Av- James Cameron's fucking, like, his brain preserved on an AI algorithm put into a robot body directing Avatar 8. <laughs> and it's still a douche to people? <laughs> it's like, Jim, uh, I don't think the boat would fall in that direction. Oh, really? Because I think it looks fucking cool and I'm the director. So how about we just go with that? All right, Dennis. I always use, like, Dennis as, like, the go-to, like, grip name. And this is one of those oh, movies where, like, we haven't talked about a movie having, like, we haven't done a lengthy, like, what's the cultural legacy of this movie? I mean, this one, it's so obvious. It's, oh. Rocky has become, it, Rocky is a shorthand for any underdog story. It's like, it's like, it's like Rocky, but with, like, I don't know, gunfights on boats. Um, right. Or, you know, th- how the city of Philadelphia gets mocked because they've embraced like their greatest sports hero is a fictional character. I mean, they, that, that uh, is really disrespecting Joe Frazier though. Cause Joe Frazier is also from Philadelphia. He was the only guy, like they wanted to get a bunch of championship boxers. He was the only one who showed up. That's why he was in the, in this movie. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then he, he like goes up to Rocky and he's like, don't hurt him too bad. And then he goes up to Apollo and Apollo's like, I want you next. I want you next. Joe Frazier. Well, he tells him he's ducking him. Cool. Because of yeah, just yeah. standard boxing stuff. Really, everybody's ducking everybody. Yeah. But you know, this movie you've got <laughs> four. Gr- I think, in my opinion, four great original movies, and then five was just misbegotten. I mean, that's the most charitable way I could put it. I mean, mm-hmm. even Sylvester Stallone said it. Like I mentioned, he did an interview where it wasn't letter grade, but he gr- he he rated the Rocky movies on a scale of one to 10. And he gave Rocky five a zero. He basically just said it was like a complete misfire. Like, and then, but then he kind of brings it back with Rocky Balboa and then the Creed spinoff, which I have mixed feelings about it. Like it still has its moments, but like, I didn't see Creed three yet. Did you? 
I have not. Okay. No. I saw. I, I don't even. I don't think I've seen this Creed two. Oh, you've got to see Creed two. They bring Drago back. <clears throat> yeah, that's why I don't know if I want. No, it. you want to see it. Really? Because I. I mean, I got that. I got that. I got that taste from Expendables when they were both in that together. Oh, you can In my opinion, you can't get enough Dolph Lundgren. But yeah, Expendables. We that's on the list. That's got to be on our list. The first Expendables. But maybe the second one because it has Van Damme in it. We haven't done a Van True. Damme movie yet. True. Just, True. Just throwing that you're out. Showing your, you're showing your cards now. I can see what's happening. I see that shitty grin on your face. We're going to do like fucking like American Kickboxer next. Or it's something. just Kickboxer. American Kickboxer oh. was a different slew of, of shitty martial arts movies. Oh, okay. Was that Were those the ones with the guy from Step by Step? No, the guy from Step by Step was in Kickboxer 2, though. See? All right, I'm close. I think American All Kickboxer. Right. I think Michael Dudikoff was it. No, he was in a, the American Ninja movies. Oh, of course he was. Michael Dudikoff. How could I forget? <laughs> he lost the he lost the George Bush in the 1988 presidential election. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, back to non-kickboxing, back to regular boxing. Um what what did you think of the 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 fighting in this movie? Um I don't feel qualified to make that. I I enjoyed the fights. I found them pretty visceral and like I I don't like it doesn't look it doesn't look like real boxing it because mm. real boxing i've you know i've watched my fair share of of boxing matches and they're they're not as exciting as the fights at rocky they are not especially like them, rocky more tie-ups yeah where they're just like teeing off on each other's faces for like 15 also, rounds how about how about how each rocky movie the punch sound effects got more ridiculous like it is thunderously atrocious how loud the punches sound in Rocky Four, even Rocky Three. And again, maybe that's you know the influx of the extravagance of the '80s. Just go big or don't go at all. But like in Rocky One, it feels pretty subdued. At least I don't remember hearing these thunderous smacks. But Rocky Four, when they're just hitting every throw, and it's just this thunderous. <laughs> It's pretty wild. I think I think like we're you, conditioned, like people who've watched a lot of movies are conditioned to expect sound effects because when you watch older movies where they don't really have them, like for example, I always think about the the one fist fight from the original Godfather where Sonny's beating the shit out of Carlo in the street and there's no sound it just it's kind of weird a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then they that's do cue them up like towards the end, but a lot of those punches don't have like a sound with them. And the famous miss. Too. The very famous miss. Very famous. <laughs> Love that miss. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought the fight was pretty good, especially in this movie. I, I liked the idea that there was strategy involved. Like in the minimal times we had the corners, they're like, you know, work the body, work the body. Like he's guarding his left side. And then Apollo, because he's guarding his left side, leaves his face open and Rocky's able to hit him. Like they actually put thought into it. And like Stallone was very orchestral when they were there's a very famous youtube video that is going around even on like instagram that stuff where it's him and weathers practicing in like sweatpants in the ring and he's directing the fight he's like all right now that you're gonna push me against the ropes but i'm gonna come back and hit you in the left but you're gonna come down and go to the right like he had it like he must have had it storyboarded but the fact that they were able to he was able to like do that while physically acting it like 
man, it's almost like you could say like Stallone co-directed this movie because I'm not saying the fight was the biggest part of the movie because we already talked about how it's not. It's it's the love story. But if the fight isn't good, I think the the movie's also a bust. Well, he did. I mean, he he was all like I guess he and Avildsen were biting uh, butting heads a lot on the set about what to do and you know, Avildsen was already kind of a seasoned director at this point and Sylvester Stallone was still kind of a like he'd only done like the Lords of Flatbush, and then he done he'd done some stag film before that, but um, <laughs> wasn't it called Italian Stallion? Was no, it was something like I don't even remember what it was called. It was like it was like it, 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 it was like Miss Kitty's like date night or something. It was something silly like that, or like Italian sausage. <laughs> yeah, he was he was delivering pizzas in that video. <laughs> Big sausage pizza. <laughs> Speaking about big, I I guess we're going uh, uh, on tangents here, but how about Stallone's like four inch boot heels in this movie? Um, <laughs> dude, I know this isn't related to the movie either, but like that that goddamn State Farm ad with Ludacris in it that I've seen like eight hundred times since the Super Bowl, and I don't even watch <laughs> that much television, and he's wearing just the he's just shamelessly wearing the shoes with like the three inch lifts that are white. It's like you're not even trying to hide that. <laughs> Cuz they do they do a good job of making Rocky seem like this hulking big dude. And you know, Talia Shire's relatively on the sm- smaller side and so's Burt Young and so's Burtis Meredith. I mean, you, I don't know how you, you can't really do anything about Carl Weathers, he's a big dude, but and I, I'd have to rethink on whether or not how often they shot Rocky from below because that's the famous tactic they used to make people seem bigger. They did it nonstop in Dark Knight Rises for Tom Hardy, who's 5'8", playing Bane. Um, but Stallone's like 5'8"-ish around there. I know he's t- he's billed at the Hollywood 5'10", but I think he's probably like 5'8", add a little hair, maybe 5'9", but clearly wearing those big boots. And it begs the question, why don't you have those? You could hit us with some six five, six six. <laughs> really get gangly on it. Really get perchy with no, it. I made a joke fun. one time about wearing like Gene Simmons boots and being like six six, like just walking around <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. That just never occurred to me. Oh God, man. But what what do you what do you think about Stallone uh, and how they portrayed him as almost this sort of like big bulky dude? When in reality. Yeah, he's in good shape, but he he's a, on the smaller. I side. thought it was interesting how he he thought when when he made this movie, he just he his words were that he looked like Pooh Bear. He thought he was like fat in this movie because I guess fat. compared to what he looked like in Rocky Three, he was because in Rocky Three he got <laughs> oh. he got on the you know the really good Mexican supplements, and then I think he might have <laughs> mixed in some like a facelift. I'm not positive on that. Right, but no food. What? Zero food. <laughs> yeah, just just nothing but protein shakes and just gas. Like, that's it. This, yeah, Stallone, 83 to 88. Was Rambo 388? I think so. So, 83 to 88, Stallone is cut. Like, I, I wouldn't even say Rocky 4. He's probably even more ripped than Rocky 3. Oh, for unless sure. Unless they had a better... A better oiling system. Oh yeah, but and they had to make and Dolph Lundgren was so much bigger than him that they ha- and they had to make him look somewhat comparable in size. Oh yeah, that probably like, took oh, every he, trick in the bag, man. 
and like with Hogan, who I think at his peak was like six 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 eight, probably. I think. Oh, six eight. But but it's the exact. It's the. It's like wrestling of the NBA. They always inflate the heights. They always inflate the heights and the weights. Yeah. But I think Hulk. I think yeah. Hulk Hogan's like six six on a bad day, even in his sixties now, or seventies. I think he's even shorter than that now. He's like he seems pretty uh, shrunken down now. But that happens when you're seventy and you spent most of your life, you know, hurting your back and on the gas, as you like to put it. <laughs> um, but yeah, whatever Stallone had, I'm not gonna. I mean, he's he was that in that good shape. Like Rocky Four, he was like thirty nine. Like we're not that far from that age. Imagine us being absolutely that shredded right now. Like, yeah, I know he referred to himself as Pooh Bear. I'm like, man, if I like stay at the gym and watch my diet for like the next two years, maybe I'll look like that. What I'm done. You might look like Pooh Bear. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, that has to be a tongue in cheek thing for him to say. But he's always been in shape, except for, you know, the Copland era, which revitalized his career. But we're not here to talk about the entire catalog of Sylvester Stallone. That um, would be a very is, long podcast. Is, is this our second Stallone movie? Yeah, we did Demolition Man. Right. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was just those two. Um, all right, so so what what else can we get into here? I mean, do, I know you're not. You have a softer side than than people who even know you think you have. But do you like love stories in film, or are you like, uh, that was fine, but I'm I'm watching Rocky for this. It just depends. I mean, yeah. I I don't think I dug the love love story of this as much as you, but I kind of appreciate it a little more now. Just okay. because, like I said, it's more nuanced. It's not like this thing where it's like, oh, we, we bumped into each other and now we're in love. It's like they've clearly known yeah. each other for a long time and he's been working on it for a while. And Yeah, and there was always this sort of um, like endearment for one another. Like, like, you know, like a lot of movies now do like the enemies to lovers thing. It's like a very Yeah, out. man. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, you're a douche. But in about eighty minutes, we're gonna back. Yeah, that that is, is was it like that with you and the misses? Like, I think when it came to enemies to lovers, it might have been more of the casual encounters that that was the case. But uh, no, no, that yeah, not the case with me and the misses. I would say we were probably a little, little bit more like Rocky and Adrian. Just were both more outgoing than those two social idiots <laughs> mrs but. hoey's first like first like, little like baby name for you or term of endearment was fuck stick <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'll run it i'll run it by her you know we'll see maybe we make that happen now we'll see um all right so favorite part in the movie do you have a favorite scene favorite line favorite moment I would have to say it, it has something to do with just like just the fight, like how I got really embroiled kind of in the drama of it, like how exhausted they both were and like how much they were like when, when, in the 15th round when the, when the announcer points out that Apollo is coughing up blood and it's it's almost like a bl- another blink and you'll miss it thing. But it's mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, that's a legitimate side of eternal bleeding. And his corner was telling him that. Um but I think for me, it's always going to be the fight for me. Like it's that's what it that's what it builds up to. That's like the catharsis. That's the 
you know, that's the that's the male drama part of it. And I'm not, that's not the reason for it, but it was like that. It definitely hit me a lot harder watching it. What about you? I mean, what about you? I, I mean, this is going to be too cliche, but whatever. I, at the very end, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, she's trying to get to him. He All he cares about is her. And they finally get to each other. And she's like, I love you. I love you. And no matter what he says, she's like, I love you. And he's, you know, where's your hat? It's very sweet. And they have this embrace and the music builds. It's just like beautiful, like right off into the sunset ending where it didn't matter that he lost the fight. So I, that that's definitely my favorite moment. F- favorite funny moment. Because it is a funny movie. Like we, people don't talk about how, like there are a lot of funny moments in Rocky. It's not a comedy, but there are moments where, you know, you do laugh a bit. And one of them that always made me laugh is when they're at Rocky's apartment and Adrian's like, uh, I got to get home. Uh, my brother's going to be worried about me. He's like, oh, I can call your brother. She's like, oh, you don't have a phone. He's like, no, I opened the window. I go, hey, Polly, I got your sister over here at my house. We'll talk to you later. And he shuts the window. I just thought that was so funny. So that's my favorite like funny moment in the movie but my favorite moment is definitely the end when they finally get together and he's just like screaming for her he doesn't care about anything else i just think that's such a cool moment right on right on i i did i i was a little more receptive to the to that angle but when i was younger i definitely didn't care about it i thought i was like filler like it was like exactly when are we yeah, getting to the fireworks factory <laughs> oh what yeah so let's get into like real quickly the whole like the side jobs that rocky had so he was a collector for a loan shark now we we did mention the actor before he was uh in the godfather joe, joe spinell uh, right spinell or spinal spinell yeah uh playing tozy tony gasso and rocky's job is to basically collect money or break thumbs yeah and I've always like you, you and I talk about how we'll drop random things from movies into casual conversation. Anytime someone needs a Venmo me for something, I'm like, don't make me come over there and break your thumb. <laughs> I always, I always say that. And like, no one ever asks, but I'm probably sure they're like, why my thumbs? You know, and it's like, it was from Rocky, you know, I should have broke your thumbs, you know? Well, uh, and then so yeah, Mickey I, tells him off. He's like, cause you became a leg breaker. Yeah, right. So so what what's your take on on that part of Rocky cuz that's really like the the real Rocky before he gets the shot and we haven't really talked about that end of it. Like the loner Rocky before Adrian like when he had to do these like really shitty questionable jobs just to like eat. Yeah, you're doing like you're doing these club fights and you're making $40 after taxes, corner man, cut man towel and charging five dollars for a towel and a shower scumbags <laughs> spider rico loses the fight gets beat up probably even more egregiously than he needed to because rocky was just unloading on him then he's laying there with like one can of beer and the guy deducts all his taxes and gives him like 11 bucks and he's he passes out on the fucking gurney holding his beer <laughs> just that that's also a great '70s sport moment where a dude's in the back, like he just had a fight and he's dr- he's in the back drinking a, a cold one, and then like Rocky bubs a cigarette off somebody, he's just hitting it. He's uh, <laughs> like, "You had a smoke," and the guy's like, "Here, you could have this one." He takes his used half-smoked cigarette. Uh, yeah, I thought about that too. I'm like, I think the last thing I would want in that moment would be a cigarette, but there we it are. It was a different Rocky era, Bobo. man. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a, what was the part in the movie where I think it might have been it might have been Tony Gasso when he he gives him like 500 bucks. Yeah, for training for expenses training. and he goes Eddie takes the cigarette out of his mouth. He goes, "You're <laughs> in training now." Yeah, yeah, that's right. He takes the cigarette out and he throws it. That's right. Yeah. I love it. He's like, "It's $500. Don't worry about it." It's like today that would look pretty funny. Be like you would think he was giving him like a few thousand. Imagine someone goes up to you today, like, here's 500 bucks. Don't worry about it where I got yeah, it. Yeah, what is that in today's dollars? Like four grand? <laughs> Fucking inflation. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I mean, uh, other aspects of this, we, we, we could have gone into the whole pop culture element, but I think everyone knows that by now. I mean, they had Rocky dolls. I remember my cousin had a Rocky doll that was like this little like punching doll. Um, I, I don't know about video games because the only boxing video game I remember as a kid was Mike Tyson's Punch Out. So I think maybe Rocky like didn't really tap into the video they game had thing one, but I I missed it. I don't I don't remember. It's probably terrible. I never played right? it. I mean, they had a. I remember playing a Buster Douglas. Uh, that is crazy. Yeah, it was for Sega Genesis. Yeah. It was actually a pretty good boxing game. I don't think it was. It wasn't as good as Punch Out though. Like it had way better graphics and the boxers were bigger and you could throw more punches, yeah. but. Punch Out was still a way better boxing game. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Rocky is um, parodied. It's tributed. It's referenced. It's just like, it's it's a transcendent movie. It, it's a, it, it, like you said, it's, it's cultural it's a part of pop culture. Is what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You said it best when it was like, it, it's the Rocky of blank. Yeah, the Rocky of making dildos. That. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you're a dildo nice. upstart. You know, you're, you're fighting. Right. Fuck, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with this. Oh, I, I liked where that was going. <laughs> and then and then you run into uh, Big Dildo. <laughs> Big Dildo, offer, yeah. And, and they offer you the shot of a lifetime. <laughs> and they paired up with Duracell. And then before you know it, no. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton much else on uh, Rocky, but I will say that it's a movie that I've always loved anytime it's on TV. I'll probably stop and watch a few minutes of it. Um, I think I, I hate sounding like the like snobbish movie fan, but I do think the first one is my favorite. Um, but I also like, and th- you, you want to talk about hot takes. Like I really like Rocky Balboa. Like, I really think that that's a great ending for this story. Like how they killed off Adrian and he's back to sort of being alone. His son does it, it like really like goes full circle with Rocky, but in a way more, I don't know, likable way than Rocky five did. Um, but the first one's definitely my favorite, but the last thing I got is definitely on the, for the humorous side of things, but didn't you find it funny now? Now I know he starts reading and we understand that's why he gets a little bit, more intelligent but i love how the richer rocky gets the smarter he gets and (laughs) then then he loses all his money and becomes stupid again it's kind of like the paradox in uh in like in tv shows where people get older but they look better because the actors make more money oh yes i was just talking about that the other day about uh how it's always sunny in philadelphia like took the piss out of that by having mac get really fat (laughs) <laughs> but then he got really cut and it was all just supposed to be like this big bit and dude you're right though like like everyone's sexing up steve carell now 
like can we settle down with that <laughs> what it's like yeah like see like like women are all about steve carell now because he you know he wears glasses and he has like a beard and it's like so like when he first started he was a maybe a little uh winnie the pooish and he like clearly was thinning and then he got some decent rug and he like lost some weight and now he's got gray hair and women are like yes i've been rocking that look for 15 fucking years where's my love (laughs) that's a good point that's a good point fucking bearded glasses since the pilot you've you've really seasoned into just a sexual monster (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) um uh did you you have a favorite character in rocky before we get not Paulie. Rocky. Okay. Not Paulie. We understand your hate for Paulie. I actually think Paulie's actually more uh, reprehensible in the sequels. Yeah, in Rocky Four, saying. where they had the, the stupidest part about Rocky Four to me is when they have that goddamn robot and he's like in love with it. I'm like, you know what? That actually makes sense for that character. That, it, it, that like, does it make sense. If, yeah. they, if they demeaned any other character that way, I would have hated it. But it's Pauly, so it fuck it, it whatever. Just waste screen and, time and, on it. I'd show you what Pauly's a fucking who, moron he is. He loses the whole fortune, right? He's the one who screws it all up in the the canonical story with the investments or whatever. In five, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, he they just, tried to pretend like five didn't happen because in five, Rocky had really bad brain damage. Like he couldn't have had right. that fight with uh, Antonio Tarver. In Rocky Balboa, if he had brain damage, like one of the things yeah. that in this in this franchise is that maybe people don't agree, but I think they always find an interesting way to make the sequels happen. Like they never really feel unnecessary, except for like the fifth one, because. But I just think the fifth one was just they really overdid the depressing part of it. Like you go from the underdog story to the rematch to the ch- to the underdog loses his way, like he loses his edge. And then it turns into kind of like a revenge story, which, you know, I still like it, but it, it doesn't make as much sense as the other ones. But that's and then, yes. and then even then it gets back on track, like you said, with Rocky Balboa, where yeah. it's kind of like his redemption story. And they always find a way for it to kind of make sense, even though it's like Rocky was never going to win the title. Like, even if he won the fight, he wasn't going to win the title. That's not how real boxing right. works. But it was just it was all kind of a gimmick. But it all, but it made it fit in a way. I I agree with that, and I I I like I was saying before. I think most of the Rocky movies could serve as the ending for the franchise. So if some people want to pick their own head cannon and say like, "No, nah, I'm done." Like Rocky Three is where it ends, where Apollo and Rocky are in the ring and they're about to have their own little private fight. But you're right in that you know the third one where he's like you know the underdog who lost his way. It, it, it is kind of like Rocky became like Apollo was in the first Rocky. Yeah, the parallel's definitely there. Like, And he needed Apollo who got humbled and reconnected with his roots to bring Rocky back down to earth. It was like a, it was like two ships passing in the night and now Apollo was able to give that to Rocky. And I think that is a nice bookend as well. So like you could end it, like I said, with one, you could end it with two where he wins the belt. And that's a nice, very happy ending. It's like Wayne's World. Let's do the Rocky Three end, <laughs> and that's where. And like Rocky Four probably doesn't exist. You have to kill Apollo there, or there's no point for that movie at all. So, you needed that like really tragic moment 
and it's like hard to watch that scene because you know it's going to happen and every time it's like one of those scenes in a movie where you're watching you're like maybe it'll be different this time like that little part of your brain and you're like no like throw in the damn towel you know that whole shit as they're wearing their boss sweatshirts but uh yeah rocky five total misfire i think most people would agree with that i don't think people are going to be screaming at their uh pod apps at us for saying that and then rocky balboa i'm not sure how a lot of people feel but i, I think that's a nice ending and then do what you want with the spinoffs with creed i know you know they give rocky cancer and stuff like that but i i personally like rocky's story ending with rocky balboa it's him talking to his wife at her grave and him re reconnecting with his son and he seems to really be at peace i think that's a nice second finish uh because the first didn't stick the landing with five so even if i went one through four maybe right to six if if story-wise that works that, that that might be my path but overall just a great franchise and it doesn't happen without this first one which you know as they say in boxing sometimes shocked the world <laughs> uh anything we didn't touch on mike that uh comes to mind no man i i to me, I think we we've covered most of the broad strokes, and you know, I I don't I don't know I don't want to keep spinning our wheels for like fifteen twenty more minutes. I mean, this movie it's not like it doesn't deserve it, but I I, I don't know what anything come to mind for you. The only thing I saw um, is that, and I saw this a couple of years ago, but I was just reminded of it. At least as of twenty nineteen, that his turtles were still yeah alive. yeah as of twenty twenty they're still alive. I don't know, and that's why we got rid of our turtle. Oh, did you? When did you get a yeah, turtle? I, a, uh, I went to my brother's house for a fantasy football draft, got drunk and stayed over, and then went home the next day. And we're like, we're going to go to Petco to look for to look at the animals and maybe get something for Ralphie. And I was in that weird hungover phase where I like wanted to like make my son happy. And he's like, I want a turtle. I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll get a turtle. It's such a dumb decision. So then... Apparently, you have to clean them, the, the, completely clean the tank every week. You can't touch the turtle because of all the bacteria, so he can even play with the turtle. And they live for like 30 to yeah, 40 dude, years. Yeah, dude, that turtle will probably be at your funeral. Fuck you. <laughs> Jerry's not... I'll be at Jerry's funeral. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> but anyway... The, but Jerry? The yeah, we named the Jerry. Well, Johnny named him Jerry, yeah. After, <laughs> after who? The mouse? Seinfeld? I don't know. He just came what? up with the name. Uh, you have to ask J5. I don't know. I don't think he's going to have an answer for me. I'll make sure he has a, a well thought out he's answer. He's like, I like me. Jerry. I'm like, okay. He also he also said that you have to come back. He's like, yeah, Mike's got to come back. No, he didn't. He did. He did say that. We were waiting for the bus and we were listening to... I was listening to part of the pod. Uh, and I, I don't listen to our podcast, but I was like, let me... I want to hear like how we came off on the Black Dynamite episode because I was nervous about it because... We're two white 40-year-old dudes talking about a black exploitation movie. So I'm waiting for his bus and I'm listening to it. And I get him and we get back in the car and he hears your voice. He's like, is that Mike? I'm like, yeah, it's me and Mike. And he goes, Mike's got Mike's to come back to our house. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, I agree, buddy. So that's a true story. I'll take it under advisement. So, yes, yes. Hit it yes. again. Uh, all right. Mike, yeah, so Cuff and Link are the turtles, and as of 2019, Stallone still had them. So he's a better turtle owner than I am. But 
the dog i i assume buttkiss is still is not with us anymore but he did have to sell his dog before he got signed for yeah Rocky. i read he that he couldn't afford that. to feed it he said so he sold yeah. it, and then I, he, I assume he got it back after the production. He got it back for fifteen grand. The guy put it, the, the guy knew Stallone had money, so he put him on the oh, hook. Oh, scumbag, man! That is scumbag. But also shows, you know, Stallone he bought that dog like for fifty bucks. Dude. Yeah, yeah. But um, all right, man. Uh, I did enjoy this chat about Rocky. Likewise, um, man. Always. We'll see if we dunk our toes back into the franchise in the future but for now toss it to you to let us know what van damme movie we're doing <laughs> we, are, we are doing a van damme movie oh okay. but right. I, I, I was ready for sudden sudden death i just i just <laughs> that's a good one uh, <laughs> no i just heard i just heard a, a collective unconscious sigh of relief that we're not doing a van damme movie we will at some point and then it, it'll probably be the last one we do but I am going to kind of stay on the macho, but we're going more the action side of it. And we haven't done a Mel Gibson movie in a while. And I think it's, and I just rewatched this the other day. I think it's time to do payback. Oh, okay. Go boil an egg. All right. (laughs) right. Oh, I like payback. Was that 99? It was 98 or 99, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Lucy Lucy Lou in um, top form. Yeah. 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 That and that's I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about, but I remember that I don't want to say comeback from Mel Gibson because it wasn't that far removed from Ransom, but uh, definitely a, a movie that was I think a surprise hit across the board. So I'm excited to to talk about that. I have not watched that movie easily fifteen plus. Well years. let's see how it holds up because I, I just rewatched it the other day and I was like, Yeah, this still as fun as I All remember right. it. All right. Yeah, I am down. I do like Mel Gibson movies, so that sounds good to me. So uh, thank you for that, Mike. Um, Anything else before we hop out? Nah, man. Take us home. All right. Hey, thanks again, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, We will be back with you, barring some unforeseen incident, in two weeks' time with another episode right here on Just Like the Movies. So for me and Mike, be kind, rewind, relax, and we'll see you around. Take it to the zoo. Scooby, Scooby called me Yeah.